The reason why we do the dhikr with a sense of commitment, with a sense of casting ourselves into it, it's fine, she'll just, just breathe. She's cramping. That's all right, it's coming, it's coming. Is massage the right one? Thank you. Do you want to land? Should we land the camera? This happened before also? But I mean, you, this is a powerful record so much. That's fine. She's relaxing now. Just that's fine. Just sit. Lena. Lena, sit. She's fine. Yeah. She's getting better. She'll get better. So, as I was saying, <laughs> the reason why we do this with commitment is um, we want to enact our conviction that Allah is real. Our experience of the world has been set up in such a way that it appears as if we are we are very we are beings under threat. You know, I mean, even our 
our, our sensors are basically designed to do exception reporting. Um, and there's a, there's a, evidently there's a, a physiological reason for this, and it's also sort of um, meant to be a, a kind of a, a survival reason in this, that um, we, we, we are, when we, you know, when we, we assume that when we were on the savannah in Africa as, you know, when we just started out from Ghana and we, we kind of, the reason why we were spying, stood on our, on our legs and spying is because we're concerned about predators. So our, our senses have been set up in such a way as, for, as to confirm the assumption that the universe is a dangerous place and things are to get us. Which means that most human beings, their base experience of being alive is one of fear. Mm. That fear is very subtle and very often if people aren't aware of it. It's because it's almost like the wallpaper to their being. It sits at the back of their being. When you do something like this, what you're doing, the reason why you're enacting the vicar in a spirit of forcefulness is that you are you are telling your being that you and you're, you're, you're communicating to your being a sense of conviction. Things are not as they seem. Things are not as dangerous as they seem. There is a Rabb. La ilaha illallah. There's nothing can harm you other than by his decree. He's, he's, he's inescapable. There's no master of outcomes other than he. And that it is repeating that conviction with forcefulness, with with uh, with starts to get through this backdrop of fear at the back of our being. And very often, the first experience of that is cathartic, and that's what we witnessed this evening. It's like a it's like a, a release, like a letting go, like a you know. Um, So all the things that we're holding tightly, we're not even aware that we're doing it deeply. They're starting to kind of come out, relax. <coughs> the dhikr then becomes a, a, a metaphor for how one, how one sensibly lives a life. Act firmly as if you are enacting the conviction that there's no reason to fear. That Allah is real. That you are protected. That, there's, that, 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 that the Lord of the, of the universe has your back. I'd go as far as even to say he is your back. You have no back other than he. That is an incremental journey. It's step by step. It's, it's step by step coming out of the fear, the, uh, the uh, sense of um, disquiet that our lives are kind of based on and function from. The only one that can release us from the disquiet is, is he. Because our fellow human beings are very strange. Most of them actually have a vested interest in confirming the disquiet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't go out there. There are saber-toothed tigers there. They'll eat you up. Stay in the city. Stay in the walls. Stay protected. But the problem is that that staying protected in the companionship of your brothers and sisters doesn't make the fear go away. It actually makes it worse. 
Because you're repeating it to yourself all the time. Hmm. So there is a piece to what we're trying to do, which is, again, forcefully get a glimpse of experience and get a glimpse of existence, which is outside what we've been programmed to be. We've been programmed to be model citizens. And what I mean by the model citizen is the model citizen who who kind of doesn't get disruptive and obeys the rules and stays within the constrictions and the confines of what's, you know, good behavior. I'm not suggesting that you have license to enact bad behavior. That would be very nice, but don't, don't <laughs> looking for trouble. <clears throat> it's not about giving yourself license to misbehave. It's understanding that it doesn't matter how good a person you are. It doesn't matter how many people think you're wonderful. It doesn't matter how moral they think you are, how charitable they think you are. This disquiet does not go away. Hmm. Because when you're doing things to get their affirmation, you're doing things to be part of the, the huddle. Mm-hmm. You know, metaphorically, we're, we're all creatures of like this frightening universe out there. It's vast. And the only way we can deal with this is by going into a huddle. Don't look, it's very dangerous. <laughs> Don't look, doctor. Don't tell me. <laughs> no. You have to be the courageous one who has the courage to look and realize that that is his face and that is your friend. It is your benefactor. It is your ally. It, he, through it, can do far better for you than they can. They'll try and tell you, you're going to be thrown out to the wolves if you don't get married. (laughs) If you don't get the job. If you don't take the next promotion, who's going to protect you? Act with the conviction that he's going to protect you. He fulfills his promises. He will protect you. so that we can discover him. And discovering him means, in the first instance, that he needs to be covered. You can't discover what's not been covered. Mm. Discovering and uncovering, these are similar ideas. How does he cover his nature? He puts you between other people who are going to keep on trying to convince you that the world out there is dangerous and you've got to... The only safety is with them in the city, in the family, in the clan. In the, again, I'm not suggesting you should go and be disruptive through the clan. <laughs> but it's not going to scratch your itch. It's not going to satisfy your requirement. Because what you really want to know is, does, does he know me? Does he genuinely is he? Is is there? A, is he not? Is there a rub? That's the wrong question because that's an abstract question. Is he my rub? Mm. Me particularly. <coughs> and you will discover that he is, if you act on the conviction that he is. So you do your dhikr with the conviction that he is. You do your dhikr to exercise the conviction that he is. You, you transact with others with the conviction that he is. So you don't have to make sure that you, in the transaction, get the last rupee of value and grind him. You can forego a bit. You don't have to always look after your own interests. And when you consistently act 
on the basis of the conviction that you don't have to look after your own interests because your interests are looked after. You can trust him. He will demonstrate that he's trustworthy. If you consistently act on the basis of the assumption that you can't trust him, you've got to look after yourself, you will get more and more evidence for the fact that that is so. He says, I am my slave's, uh, I am my slave's opinion of me. So, I transact with his creation as if they're all, it's a mean place trying to out you. You'll demonstrate that's true. You wake up with a servitude tiger in your bed. May Allah grant us ministry. May grant us annihilation in him. May grant us death before we die. In Allah, how am I like to salute and be here? You had a lean on the salute, you were sending in Taslima. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin abdika wa rasulika nabiyyina wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam taslima subhana rabbika rabba izzati wa maizifun wa assalamu ala wa mursaleen wa alhamdulillah ya rabbala Bismillahirrahmanirrahim So um, Any questions based on what we spoke about yesterday? Bismillah. So, I'm going to just prefix this, um, this, the fourth uh, postulate by kind of talking a little bit about psychological health and how it seems to me most um, uh, sort of therapeutic psychological therapeutic uh, processes or, or, or approaches <coughs> deal with the issue of psychological health. Um, I mean, I think it's a reasonable supposition that anything that goes wrong on the inside is more than likely the result of something that happened to you in your past, um, that there's some kind of childhood trauma or whatever, and that causes you to have sort of uh, something loose. Scruffy loss, <laughs> but and and the 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 the, um, the the sort of the therapeutic method that is sort of that this understanding gives rise to basically says, if you make these things that are unconscious, that are in the in your you know that if you make them conscious, then you can transcend them, you can get over them, and that's why the talking cure was so important in these therapeutic uh, approaches. And, uh, and um, sort of there's a whole, I mean, Freudian kind of psychology is based on that, oh, but basically all psychology. You can talk through your problems, you talk it out. And what you're doing when you're talking it out is you, you're making your, you're clearing up your biography. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, it was interesting that you could have people who in psychoanalysis, Freudian, Freudian psychoanalysis for decades, and they're still disturbed. So that suggests that maybe this, that's not an appropriate way of looking at the issue, right? So, so, so the, this, this um, postulate you've got to see in the light of that. Remember these first three are basically exploring the self and kind of psychological health, if you like. Any biographic account of the self is disabling since it focuses attention on the past, what the self has accumulated. By definition, biography is what's happened before. So if I, if I account for you on the basis of your biography, then you, you're basically your accumulations. An enabling of the account of the self must therefore take account of the self as the self looks forward, in other words, faces death. Fundly, fundamentally, this truncates the need for catharsis in the cultivation of inner health. So this... I mean, that, that paragraph actually indicates many things. The first thing is that so maybe you don't have to actually work out, you, you talk out your entire past, have this big biographic kind of examination. Uh, because maybe if, if you turn your attention forward, because I mean, where are you looking? We're looking at your biography, at the past. What's the most fundamentally true thing about you? You're going to die. Mm. Mm. 
which means that actually to get your attention stuck in the past is not helpful. Where should your attention be? Your attention should be facing forward, facing the future, facing death. Now, what does dying test in us? We said yesterday. Giving unconditioned. Giving unconditioned. That's the highest form of giving unconditioned. Now, what would make it difficult for one to give unconditionally is your conditional motive. Where does your conditional motive come from? From the past. From your conditioning. Yes. Hmm. So, rather than trying to work out all the things that went wrong in your conditioning, as you're facing forward, as you're grappling with the problem of what you should be giving now, you will start to experience resistance. Your own conditioning will start rattling at the cage. Say, I don't want to do this. The moment you recognize that, then you go back and you try and resolve the biographic thing that's causing this thing. In other words, you don't have to fix everything. You just fix those things that are hooking you so you can't move forward. So this is a kind of a, um, uh, an approach to... It's a minimalistic approach to psychological health. You don't have to go and sort the whole thing out. It's just what's sticking right now. If we say that... the final culminating moment is about learning how to give unconditionally and your entire life is about learning that skill. That translates into an an understanding of growth and how growth works in every moment that you're in. So, I'm in a situation. I want your kufia. If I want your kufia, who can withhold the kufia? If I want his hat, who can withhold the hat? He can withhold the hat. So who's got the power? Mm. Do you understand this? Mm. If you want something from somebody else, that person's ability to withhold what you want puts you under their thumb. And that's not just true about people, it's actually true about life experience. If you engage the moment that you're in on the basis of your expectation, your conditional motive, the thing that you want to get, the situation, the other defines you. And you get stuck. Hmm? The moment I ask myself, not what I want to get from Felix, how can I help him? What can I contribute here? He can't, the moment I shift my intent from what I'm trying to get from him to what I can give him, he can't withhold the hat. I slip out from underneath his ability to manipulate me, and I'm free. I rise above the situation. Every time you act on the basis of what you want to get, you get stuck, you stagnate. The situation defines you. Every time you act on the basis of what you should be contributing, you change, you transcend, you rise above the situation. And so your entire life is in a sense scripted for you to step by step rise above your conditioning. So you don't have to fix it all. You don't have to go to the past and have a long biographic recounting. No. All that you have to do is face forward and try your very best to do what is appropriate in every situation that you're in. And to recognize when you're struggling with your own nafs, struggling with your, and then to find where the, the root of that is. Why am I struggling with this? Then maybe you can do some biographic work. Okay. So I'm going to just read it again. Let's see. Any biographic account of the self is disabling since it focuses the attention on the past, what the self has accumulated. An enabling account of the self must therefore take uh, account of the self as the self faces forward, in other words, faces death. Fundamentally, this truncates the need for catharsis and the cultivation of inner health. You know what the word catharsis means? Catharsis means to clean out. You know, it's, um, what's that Zulu word? You drink seawater? Shanza. So what does that suggest? Then. If you're having to clean, what does it suggest? Clean. Well, if you're dirty. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. You've accumulated something that is... Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's what the, the same idea as catharsis. Catharsis literally means to clean out, like to vomit out. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, so that, that's how these, these kind of psychological cures work. You talk about the thing you've vomited out, and eventually you do that for long enough, and then it's clean. So you don't have to do too much of that. So, um, <clears throat> the next section we have it speaks about this distinction between an advancing and a receding view of time. One's understanding of the movement from cradle to grave can either be based on an advancing or a receding view of time. A receding view of time takes birth as its reference point and views life as a process of accumulation. This means that as one gets further and further away from birth, one has more and more. An advancing view of time takes death as its reference point. This means that as one ages, there's less and less of you. Every moment is a moment of expending potential, of handing over something. This view of time advances, this is a view of time advancing because it is concerned with the, the in, inexorable approach of death. So, what are we trying to say? Let's say, what's between my hands is a, is a description of a 70-year life. He's born here, and he gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and then he dies. Very sad. Sorry, I can't help it. <laughs> now, there's two ways of looking at this process. First of all, you're born, and there's every step of the way, there's more and more of you. You're accumulating more and more. You're accumulating more wealth. You're accumulating more knowledge. You're accumulating more experience. You know? Which means, this is, this, this, you say, and there's more of you as you get older. Now, the reference point against which you are uh, getting more and more is birth. That's the thing. So there's more and more of you, which basically means to say the reference point is moving further and further away from you. That's why they said this is, why we say we call this having a receding view of time. If you base your sense of who you are on your accumulations, on your, remember, your biography is also accumulations of a kind, eh? yes. when you, because it's what your experiences that you, but if you, if you base your sense of who you are on your accumulations, then the reference point gets further and further away from you. There's more and more of you as you get older. And that's why the reference point recedes, you have a receding view of time. This is a problem. Because it also means that there's less and less urgency as you get older. You become, and you can see people who get old like this. They get old in a way which is really unpleasant. I mean, they're kind of uh, full of assumptions and they're, kind of, they're, they're very stuck in their ways. They can't change their mind about anything because they have... You know, they, they, they are... They, they, in Afrikaans we say, Hy so gemaakt en so gelat staan. Have you ever heard somebody say that? He was made like that and he was left like that. Yeah. yeah. In other words, I am this stuff that's happened to me in the past. You know, I can't change. Reminding you back of the 70 years. There's another way of looking at this. That, remember you're moving from here to here. That you're not, there's not more and more of you as you get older. There's less and less of you. Every moment that you're alive is not about getting something. It's, not, it's about expending something. You're busy expending a potential. Every moment, it's like driving, it's like, like your whole life is like a toll road. Every moment is a toll gate. It requires something of you for you to put in, and then you kind of get further and further in terms of your own potential. In other words, your life is not about an ongoing process of accumulation, your life is about an ongoing process of expenditure, of handing over. Your life is not based on what you're getting. Your life is based on what you're giving. 
That's saying that I don't take as my referral point birth. I take as my referral point death. There's not more and more of me as I get older. There's less and less of me. Hmm? Now when you get somebody gets old like that, they get old in a very, very beautiful way. Because they become lighter as they get older. They might not have everything up here left because, you know, your brain does give in at some point. But uh, they're, not, they're not unpleasant to be with. They're kind of, they, 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 they're light beings. I mean, literally, L-I-G-H-T, light beings. You know? And also light, mm. as in not weighty. Yeah. They radiate. Mm. They haven't accumulated much. Mm. And that's, they have an advancing view of time, you see. Because the reference point against which they anchor their life is death. They're not that interested in the accumulations. They're far more interested in the appropriate expenditure. That's how they base their life and they run their lives. They have what we call an advancing view of time. So these are the two ways in which you can deal with time. You can have a receding view of time, which is when you base your life on what you're trying to get, and what you're taking, your accumulations, or you can have an advancing view of time when you base your life and the meaning of your life on what you give. Hmm. And support to that, uh, the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when you say, Whatever that you think for us, that is what is for you. Alhamdulillah. And not what you. Yeah. Amazing. Fantastic. Thank you. Alhamdulillah. Hmm. Right. Right, so number six, to aspire to either wealth or knowledge is to have a receding view of time, since both of these assume that there is more and more as one gets older. Do you understand how problematic this is? Yeah. There's a saying that says, the older you, you get, the smaller your brains become, like you end up thinking like a child. Yeah. Yeah. This is a problem. This, this is problematic. What does what does it mean? Let me let me let us swim. To aspire, in other words, to make knowledge something as an end in itself. I have to know more and more. To make uh-huh. that an aspiration. That means that you are busy piling up. You see, there's a difference between, you understand? There's a difference between knowledge and, and, and understanding. I mean, you must, have, you must have heard and met people in your life who, I mean, the guy is half the Quran. He can recite absolutely, he understands nothing. He's got the brain the size of a pea. Or the insight of a pea. He has no insight. Another person doesn't understand, he's got no knowledge. But he's got incredible insight. Yeah. That's the binary. <clears throat> right? yeah. it's knowledge and insight. Knowledge being the accumulation of, of, of stuff. Mm. Mm. You see, I think that when we Muslims are enjoined to, to, to knowledge, what we're enjoined to accumulate is insight. It's like it's like having a bag full of books, but we don't even know what is. Yeah, that's right. We, that's right. Yeah. What books do yeah. you carry on? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a donkey carrying books. Exactly right. That's exactly right. The donkey carrying a bag of books. So I guess Chef, before you go on, you you'll unpack it a bit later. The cultivation of this understanding, this insight, because I, I'm sure it has to be cultivated. If at one point I've got one guy. Uh, who has studied all these books, but he does not have an insight. And one guy on the other side who haven't studied any of these books, but has got an insight. Means there must be there must be a way in which the first guy can cultivate the insight. Oh, yes, 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 of course. What do you think of it? But again, there's that African saying that saying, the way you would you the way they teach yeah. you, you stay. Yeah, but that's one way of looking at things. 
Ek is so gemaakt, ek is so gelat staan. That's, yeah. one, that's when you have an, a, a, a receding view of time. time yeah. But when you have an advancing view of time, you don't think like that. When you have an advancing view of time, your smallness of your brain is not a problem. It's only a problem when you have a receding view of time. Because then you're beginning to lose now, you see, your faculties. So if, you, if your whole life is about loss, then losing your faculties is not a disaster. It's interesting. And I've just given you the key. To, to, the, to, your question. to the problem. Yeah. How does the person who has the, all the books cultivate insight? I think two things, and the first one being relinquishing, looking at time from a resetting point of view, letting go of what mm. he thinks he knows, and, and paying attention. The second thing would be paying attention to what is in front of, of mm. them, because they're trying to, to get to, uh, to unload. Yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. It's called curiosity. Find what's in front of you more interesting than you than your supposed knowledge. Find what Allah's put in front of you, the most fascinating thing that's ever happened in the universe. Far more interesting than all the books. Whatever it is, no matter how, because that's his face that talks. Where's Allah? Where where is in front of you? Is it, where, wherever you look is the face of Allah. What does the face do? A face talks. So he talks to you in every moment that you're in. It's a living conversation that you're having with him. So, when you look at the situation that's in front of you, you see, if, you, if, you have, if, if your knowledge is all in the books, it means you don't have to learn. If I know, I know. I don't have to learn. Yeah. Who's the person who has to learn? The one who does. person who doesn't know. Mm. So the person who continues learning has to assume he doesn't know. Yes. He's not accumulating knowledge. He's always fresh. He's, it's, it's always a new thing. Mm. He stays curious. No assumptions. No, no assumptions. This is a new situation. No ah, ah, ah. He might on occasion refer back to, ah, but that's why they said that. Do you know what I mean? But, but it's not, he doesn't force fit the, what he's seeing into the box. He uses, he uses what he's seeing as a way to rework the box. Absolutely right. He's in awe with everything. He's always in a state of amazement. Always in a state of just en enchanted with his rub. To aspire to the maturation of intent is to have an advancing view of time. It is concerned with having less and less over time and being able to face the final test of disappearing with nothing at all, dis dis disappearing with nothing at all with equanimity. That's why it doesn't matter if you've got a small brain, if you've lost half your brain. If you have an advancing view of time, your whole thing is about loss. So losing a few brain cells, that's not a catastrophe. No, it's not. And actually, it's interesting. You've lost something. <laughs> you're you're taking <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so you see, do you get some people who are you two old, two old people? Hmm? One person is old, and they both have the same dementia. They're, they're both not quite here anymore. Yeah, hmm? yeah. The one person's miserable. They're always angry. They're throwing cups around. They're shouting at the people around them. The other person's got exactly the same condition. They're always smiling. They're always happy. Calm. Calm, relaxed, relaxed. Mm -hmm. uh, not worried. You know, so they both got the same damaged brain. The, well, one is a problem. The second one is actually not a problem. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not a problem. There isn't a problem. Listen, in the what are you going to lose when you die? Everything. 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 So in the light of that, what is the loss of a few brain cells? I mean, really. Honestly, <laughs> get some perspective here. I mean, really. Yeah. But we're not cheating, trying to get to the grave fast, but I uh, please. 
No, that's not, that's not what we're trying to do. Because remember, we're not suicidal. Mm-hmm. We agreed this yesterday. We're not suicidal. But what we want to do is we want to be able to sit for a SNAP exam. At some point, you're going to write a final exam. It's called the grape. They will only ask you one question in this exam. How easily can you lose or give everything unconditionally right now? Do you know when you're going to sit? So maybe you should make this a very serious problem. Because <laughs> you might sit this evening. Yeah. Somebody might slip a puff out into your bed and you won't see the morning. This is not impossible. I won't put a puff in you. Don't worry. Pulling your leg. Anytime. Anytime. So there's a certain time that someone can sit. You're going you're gonna to have to sit and answer the question at one point. You're going to die. Are you yeah. willing to lose everything? That's the main question. Yeah. And it can't be tonight, it can be now. Eh? Ah, not yet, chef. <laughs> not yet. Well, being on the path means you are deliberately working on the, the skill of being able to die. Now. That's what we're doing here. If you think we're dealing with anything else in the Zawiya, you've come to the wrong place and you're mistaken. That's right. We are in the business of freedom. We're in the business, and I know it's a very bitter pill for you to swallow, Siri, because you know you're a young man and you still want to have a life and a future and all of that. <laughs> but then you shouldn't have come to these places. <laughs> you should have gone to you should have gone to Joburg to school to the ANC people who want billions and billions. Yeah. Were that those people ah, with right. tenders and billions? They bring more problems. Well. So you can't, you can't have it in between, you see. Yes. You can, this is, you, that's, that's the life that's been put in front of you. You, see. you are either prepared to You're die. either prepared to work on being prepared. We're not, we're not saying you have to die now, but you must make that the project. You must make the ability to hand over unconditionally the project and not the accumulation, the project. There's a two ways that you can build the project of your life. You can build the project on your life based on your accumulations, or you can build the project on your life based on what you're giving. What you are taking as your reference point in the first one is the fact that you've been born and that since then you've just been getting more and more. That's your reference point. What you're taking as your reference point with the second one, when you're building your life on, your, on what you're giving, your contribution, is the fact that you're going to die and you don't know when. It might be tonight. I know lots of people who are your age who are no longer alive, mm-hmm. who were your age when they died. Or younger. Or younger. Mm. So don't make assumptions about this thing. This thing about the possibility of you losing everything now is a very serious matter. It is the most important matter of your life. Mm. There cannot be another more significant matter than this. Mm. Mm. This possibility makes absolutely everything else that you pursue in your life futile. Mm. You, you see, sure, can I say something mm. based on what Radha is saying? You see, death, death is something else that even now, <coughs> even now, now, if you ever can say that, you mustn't be guaranteed that you will step out uh, of that door, mm. or go to your home, mm. or, or you'll do something you see, as a Muslim. You see, because, so let me finish, you see, because I myself, you see, I've seen most of my, my, my friends, you see, dying, dying in front of my eyes, you see, somebody can just come and beat him up and then just die in front of, in front of me like this, mm-hmm. you see, so, so, so don't ever say that, no, I'm too young for me to, to die or what, mm-hmm. you see, because death, my brother, even, every minute, you mustn't expect that you'll, you'll reach another minute, you mm. see. Every, every hour, you mustn't expect that, you know, I'll meet another hour. You see. Every day, you mm. mustn't say that, you know, I'll meet uh, mm. another day, you see. So, 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 so death is, is something else. It's something that is unguaranteed for all of us, you see. That's so why right Sheikh. Right now, you make me feel like I don't have a life, Sheikh. No. <laughs> <laughs> you you <laughs> take, carry on telling. Yeah, so they say that, uh, they say, what they say? 
the, the, the say that you said yesterday, which it means like, uh, yeah, time is too short. Mm-hmm. Time is too short. So live your life that as you're going to die tomorrow. But at the same time, enjoy your life. Don't like, uh, time is too short. So do things which is necessary for you to do. Mm-hmm. Because you don't, you don't have enough time. Mm-hmm. So do what is necessary. Because time is too, it's too short. Mm-hmm. You see, can I give you an example? And it is a practical example that I've seen. You see, last year when I was at home, you see, me and my friend, uh, his brother is a uh, tough. You see, mm. we went out, we went out, you see, to, to play a pool, Program. you see. Yeah, then it was in the afternoon, you see, mm. we played pool with one guy, his name also is Tep. Mm. Do you know, do you know that day, you see, when me and uh, sister Karabo's brother, when we left, they came and shot that brother, same day. Dead. Same day. Mm. See, so... <laughs> So, yeah, but so, so, I mean, you can experience this is very distressing, but you must understand that underneath this thing, there's an incredible freedom. There, there's, a, there's a freedom which is really breathtaking, that is, really makes life worth living, strangely. If you have to have something, and you've got something that you can't lose. You don't actually have the thing, the thing has you. Mm. 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 So there's this, there's a story that helps to make it. This, um, the, the, these, this pirate ship suffered shipwreck and the ship <clears> was going down. And um, one of the pirates, did, he had his sack of gold, you know, from, and he didn't, he, 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 was, he, he was in the sea. He could see the lifeboat. He was trying to swim to the lifeboat, but this gold was dragging him under. And his mate said to him, no, drop the gold, drop the gold, then you can swim to the boat. And he didn't drop the whole gold, and he drowned. And then they were sitting in the, in the, in the lifeboat, they were very sad, and said, ish, you know, um, he, you know, he really had to have his gold. And then, then the other mate said, no, 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 he didn't have the gold, the gold had him. Yeah. If you are so attached to your life that you can't lose it, you don't have a life. You are its slave. Your life has you. If you, if you want something, if you, if you, if you're so dearly trying to hold on to something, then, then you are governed by the fear of loss. That's not life worth having, sir. If you live as if you're going to die now, that doesn't mean to say you're going to die now. Mm-hmm. That means that you live as a free person. Nobody can manipulate you. You're not, in, you're not under somebody's thumb. You, you know, because you're not looking at what you want to get. You're looking at how you can give. You're free. And you enjoy it. Even if it's based on unset needs. Whatever. Exactly. 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 Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's the fear of loss. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Another question because um, what yeah, I'm hearing from you yeah, is, for example, you are too attached, like uh, the story you said, yeah. um, the gold. Mm-hmm. 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 He was so attached that he couldn't get. But maybe somebody could have given him um, a more a better understanding what he's going to lose now um, because he's going to drown. And then he, he lost the gold in his life. Mm-hmm. We all have the same fear. Mm. Most of us try and hide from that fear. We don't look at it. Mm. How do we... Do, we don't look at it by looking backwards. <clears throat> we look at what we've done, we've looked at what we've accumulated, mm. what we're getting, etc., etc., mm. you know? Uh, but if you stop looking backwards, you look forward for a moment, you'll realize, hold on, I might be frightened of this thing, but it is the fundamental reality of my life. Better I learn how to work with the fear. And I get over the fear. That my that I'm not trying to evade it the whole time. 
Because, and it's exactly, it's exactly the city Yusuf said, there will come a year in your life that will not have a year behind it. Mm. Why? Because it will be your last year. You have no guarantee that that year isn't the year that you're in now. There will come a month in your life that won't have a month behind it because it will be your last month. Mm-hmm. You have no guarantee that it isn't the month that you're in now. There will come a week in your life that won't have a week behind it because it's your last week. It will definitely happen to you. You have no guarantee that it's not the week that you're in now. Mm-hmm. So yeah. too, there will come a day that will be the last day of your life. There will be an hour that will be the last hour. There will be a minute. There will be a second. That, and none of these things do you have any guarantee that there will be one following. And we, 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 this is an obvious truth. And the reason why we, we, we hide from this thing, or we're, it's, it's obvious that we want to hide from this, it's terrifying. The, the way in which rather, we hide from this thing is by keeping our attention, as we think we can, we can make this, 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 this fear go away by just putting stuff in, mm-hmm. getting more stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather, and what we don't realize is that this getting more stuff doesn't help that thing, it makes it worse. Precisely because you know that you're going to have to give everything unconditionally. Because what came to me now is that Sheikh is giving unconditional or because everything will be taken away Mm. from you. It's it's most definitely that because when you die, everything that we have it will be taken away from you, your car, your, uh, your, your uh, jerseys, uh, your, your, your sunglasses, you see, your, your kufiyas, you even see, your shoes, you, even your shoes, you, whatever you have, you see, everything you have, it will be, it, it will be owned by, by, by someone at yes, some yes. point of exactly, life. Yeah. So giving unconditionally, it's, some kind of a compulsive or, yeah. or, or something similar to that, you see, because every minute that it's thing like you see, you, you are not sure that you own it for even. Like the thing of Mirat, uh-huh. that once you leave this world, whatever you left behind, then the, the other people are going to own it, even if you wanted it or you didn't want it. For example, uh-huh. you're not in good relationship with your son, mm. but as once you die, all the property belongs to him. Mm. You like him, you didn't. Like him. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because <laughs> the is there that it does. Yeah. Allah says that it goes to him. Yeah, so yeah. whether you had good relationship with him or you had bad relationship yeah, with him, yeah, but yeah. once you close your yeah, eyes, that's right. all that's the things right. goes to him. Yeah. Folks, we need to stop it now. It's been wonderful. Thank you very much. Alhamdulillah. Thank you. Uh, we'll do more of these. Are you interested in this? Should yes. Do this? Okay, good. Thank you. Alhamdulillah. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين آمين سبحان ربك رب العزة ما يصفون والسلام على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين Thank